Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and I'm thrilled to have with me Dr. Jarvis Williams. Jarvis is the Associate Professor of New Testament Interpretation at Southern Seminary and a preaching pastor at Sojourn Midtown in Louisville. We're going to jump right in. We're going to be talking about a minor prophet, and here's my question to you. What is going on in the book of Amos, and can we apply it? If so, how can we apply it? Yes, great. Great questions. I think there's there's a lot going on in Amos. I think one of the things that's happening is, is the Lord is proclaiming through Amos judgment upon the, the nations. Uh, you, you see in chapter 1, for example, in verse 3, there's a pronouncement of judgment against the sins of, of Damascus. But furthermore, as you work throughout the rest of Amos, there's also a, a pronouncement of judgment against Israel. And uh, Israel is has sinned against the Lord, and the Lord is is promising to bring about judgment. And as you wake, work your way toward the end of Amos, there is a promise of restoration, a promise that the Lord is going to heal his people, redeem his people, save his people, forgive his people from their sins. And he's going to do that because he issues this call of repentance uh, in the in the midst of the book, and if the people of God respond to Yahweh's call to repentance with repentance, He will promise to bring them redemption. I think yes, we can apply this book today as Christians. I think one way we apply it is, is that we say that uh, just as the Lord judged sin in the Old Testament, He also judges sin in the New Testament. But I think also, secondly, that uh, this prophet points us to this great redemption that we have in Christ in that the restoration that the Lord promises to Israel, it ultimately finds its fulfillment in Jesus who died for our sins, who bore the wrath of God for our sins. And in Christ Jesus, Jews and Gentiles, both Jews and the nations, and we make up those nations as Gentiles and as Jews, can find our sins forgiven in Christ and be God's people who are living in continuity with his covenant promises because of, of Christ. So it's interesting because often we hear Amos quoted in in context of justice, right? And so what is it that 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 draws people who are um, to this book when we're thinking of that context? I think one of the, the things is, uh, is that Israel is guilty of injustice in, in Amos, and the nations are guilty of injustice. There is a, a lack of justice, which I understand to mean doing what is right. There's a lack of loving God and loving neighbor. And I think one of the, the key components of the book is is that Israel is going to experience judgment because of her failure to do justice, to do right, to love God, love neighbor. And so there's a there's a draw there for us as modern day readers to the book because it's a call for us to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And when we don't do those things, we are complicit in injustice. You're exactly right. And so for for a modern day listener, um, I wonder what what can we glean from the idea that God is just and that he is justly pronouncing a judgment of sorts because of this injustice. What what can we, or is, is there a warning here for us? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think one thing that we can glean from this is, is that it is good and right and honoring to God to do 
right by fellow image bearers to love our neighbors well. In fact, you have in the New Testament, both Jesus and the Apostle Paul will quote, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, quote Leviticus 19, 18. And sometimes I think Christians might think that loving your neighbor is kind of the optional track for the Christian life, when in fact, loving your neighbor is one way you manifest that God, that you love God. And so a warning to us, I think, would be is that if we don't love our neighbors as ourselves, a question then becomes, should should come to our minds, such as, do we therefore love God? And if we don't love God, uh, if we do love God, rather, we should love neighbor. And if we don't love neighbor, then do we love God? And if we don't love our neighbors as ourselves, I think there's a promise of judgment against those who profess to know God on the one hand, but yet deny him by their lack of love for neighbor. That makes sense. It makes all the sense. And it reminds me of 1 John, um, where he's he's basically saying that love is from God, and if it, and if you don't love, then you don't know God because God is love, and so that to me is a. It's just an interesting reminder that our love for our neighbor is a reflection um, and evidence, I would say, of the the transformative work of the gospel in our hearts. It's of utmost importance, eternal importance, and so I think sometimes we we. We forget that, and we neglect our our that that really commandment to love God with all our heart, souls, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it's interesting because we're talking about minor prophets, and I think sometimes people, if they read them, which hopefully during this journey of reading through the Bible in this year, people will read it. But it it's I I don't know that people read it and and are able to sift through all of the language to see what God is doing. And so it's it's good to be reminded that not only is it important for us to, to read and understand God's character and understand what's going on in that context, that's of utmost importance. But we also need to know that God is in his kindness gives us these books so that we can also understand how to honor him and how to direct our lives. And so it's 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 an interesting dynamic there that I I don't know if we would um always uh, think of or or maybe we do but but in the minor prophets I'm I'm I think sometimes we can get lost in some of the language and just trying to make sense of it. Um so h- how would you encourage someone who they're reading Amos, or maybe they're reading another um, Obadiah, or just another one of the minor prophets, to keep going, to read it, um, and and maybe even some tricks for understanding what's going on. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing I would say is that when we read the, the minor prophets, or really any Old Testament book, we want to we first of all make sure we're asking this very basic question, what is the author's intention in this particular text. So in the case of Amos, what is Amos intending to communicate in his prophecy to God's people? And then secondly, I think we need to also do the work of asking ourselves, how does this prophecy find its fulfillment in and point to our Lord Jesus Christ? 
I think one trick, to use your word, is is to remember that when we read Amos, we are reading Christian scripture. We're not reading some outdated, antiquated text that's irrelevant for the Christian life. The Old Testament is Christian scripture. And so we want to read it as Christians, and that requires us to do the hard work of authorial intent, as well as thinking about how uh, we should read the text redemptively. And so then for for the Christian who reads Amos, we want to say, yeah, there is a real oracle of judgment and a real promise of redemption to Israel that is given in that prophecy. But we also know when you get to the end of Amos chapter 9, when when Amos talks about Israel's restoration, that ultimately David's uh, the city of David's restoration finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And so then as Christians, this this prophecy, it's also about us. It's not about us fundamentally. But it's about us in that it finds its realization in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we, and we too, are a part of this prophetic story. And so I think hermeneutically it's important for us to, to wrestle with those issues and, and realize that we're reading a book that finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And then we go to the New Testament and we look for places in the New Testament where the New Testament authors are citing verses from Amos or using concepts from Amos like restoration, judgment forgiveness, these sorts of things to help us understand how we can apply the the text of Amos to us in the 21st century. And then one final thing I would say is, is that we need to remember as Christians when we read the prophets, that we read the prophets as Christians, but the prophetic uh, witness of Amos was given on the side of salvation history prior to the cross. So they're operating under the Mosaic covenant. They're operating under the age of the law. As Christians, the mark of the people of God is not Torah anymore. Now that Christ has come, it is it is faith in Christ. It's the Spirit. So we want to make sure that we don't flatten out Amos and and try to make a direct one-to-one correlation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But at the same time, we want to make sure we're allowing the text to drive us to Jesus, because I think that's why it's ultimately here in, in the canon. That's so helpful. Well, to that end, let's just pray. I want to pray that we will, the application that you pulled out in Amos, I'm going to pray that we would apply. So, Lord God, I pray right now, God, who you are just, you are holy, you are set apart, you are not like us, you are so good, pure, righteous. God, thank you for your character and who you are. And I pray, Lord, that we would fear you, that we would grow in awe and worship in you. And that awe and worship would lead us to um, submit our lives to you, Lord. And through that submission by grace alone, God, I pray that we would love you with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We can do nothing apart from you, God. We can't love the way that you have called us to love if you are not giving us the strength and grace to do it. So God, I pray that you will enable us to hear the warnings and and, and the, your, your righteous judgment, God, and to, to, to live our lives um, according to uh, your word, God, that we would be submitted to, to your commandment, God. And thank you, Jesus, that, there, there, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, that we can come before a throne of grace in our time of need, that we can confess our sin. And your scripture says, if we confess our sin, 
you are faithful. You are just to forgive us. So, Lord, we all confess that we have loved imperfectly, that we are we have not done right by our neighbor. God, we confess it. And we ask, Lord, that you will help us to turn and to walk in a manner that's worthy of your gospel by your grace through your strength. Jesus, thank you that you're interceding for us now. God, thank you for Dr. Williams and his wisdom and his grace and his knowledge that you have given him so that he can teach students and teach us through this brief time um, today. Thank you for all that you have done and who you are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much.